Alright! What is going on, mi gente? Let me just check that this is all live and unrestricted people. Just the way it ought to be. <laughs> Un momentico. Let me just see. Let me just see. Hokarai. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, is that. Wait, did I just see the sound? Let me just see. I see the sound is messing up. Mm hmm. See, this is why it's important. back like this will that uh-huh let me just put it back like this has that fixed it let me just see this is what you buy when you buy your computer from Alan Rock <laughs> Oof, if you knew the story behind this laptop. <laughs> is that better? Frowdy frobbery? What is going on? Let me just... Oof, if you knew the story behind this laptop. Frowdy frobbery? That's it. Anybody misbehaving? <laughs> Friday, February. Let's see anybody misbehaving. So I take it there was a little echo there because I had that on. I'm just wondering if that echo has now gone and if it's all good. Okay. I wonder whether my admin are, <laughs> are awake to tell me so. <laughs> yeah. Truth is I need a much I need a more alert admin team. <laughs> <laughs> right, so what is going on? Has the echo now ended? Is it all good now? Yes or no? People. All right, awesome. That's what I wanted to hear. People, Facebook, YouTube, mi gente. Right. With that, in alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-mustafa wa ala ibadihi al-ladhin artada wa man bihudahum ihtada wa bi-athari ahli al-madinat iqtafa wa ba'ad 
فسلام الله على القوم أهلا وسهلا بكم ومرحبا عنيغ لايت بينبنيدوس أتودوس بخير راغل خشام ديد آن سواغتم سواغتم people echo gone you see and like that <laughs> it has been decreed <laughs> all right can you talk about studying darse nizami first zara dheeraj rakhiyo sarkar dheeraj rakhiyo zara sabran jameelan sabran fi majal al maut sabran fama nail al khulud bi mustata'i allah 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 right so those of you that have just tuned in people remember first to subscribe to all my different different kind of channels there as you can see facebook insta and those of you that don't know we've got some allahu akbar people this week we hit it Allah, 10,000 subscribers. A small step, but cheese. <laughs> I mean, I know for some people that's nothing, but you know, hum fakiron akur hakiron kelye. No, I'm grateful for all of your love, people. In the words of the poet, میں اکیلا ہی چلا تھا جانب منزل مگر لوگ ساتھ آتے گئے اور کارواں بنتا گیا participate sharikuni fihata this is the place where shirk is encouraged <laughs> it's allah where you don't do shirk <laughs> here you do <laughs> you subscribe <laughs> and on facebook i've set this up as well to become more active inshallah ta'ala people inshallah ta'ala right but for now Let's take a look at what is bothering mi gente. Look at this, some people. Wah, 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 wah. We support you, sir, but not shirk. <laughs> you support this kind of shirk. Yet, shirk means to, to kind of participate. <laughs> this kind of participation is all good. Participate, people. Participate. So <clears throat> he told him, if you don't stop, he will beat him. Mufti, much love from you from Houston, Texas. Houston, we have a problem. Allah, could you please explain Surah Safat? Allah describes the planets or stars as a protection. I have explained this uh, previously. You can uh, check that out. Mufti, you're gone too far, brother. You're gone too far. I've gone too far. See, that's my problem in life. <laughs> you know, whenever I realize 
बहुत देर हो चुकी है सिचुएशन यू नो इट टू लेट ना नाउ इट्स जस्ट दिस वन जस्ट सी एस ए यू नो क्राइम सीन और चाइल्ड सपोर्ट आई नॉट नो यू नो अवेज मुफ्ती आई लव यू राइट बैक जियो मेरी जान जियो बट माई क्लासमेट्स हेट यू <laughs> Shall I tell you this I'm going to tell you this people is my kind of the dynamics I face in life it's what I call the malmite effect from marmite <laughs> I either find people who really love me or I find people who really hate me yaar this ummatan wasatan is a missing link <laughs> i don't know where the ummatan wasatan has gone <laughs> maybe yatihuna 40 sana they've got walked the path of the israelites <laughs> lost in the wilderness for 40 years i don't know people either they're on this extreme or on this extreme चलो चलता है यार चलता है सी फॉर दोज हुपोर्ट मी हु लव मी मच लव राइट बैक एट यू एंड दोज हुट मी दे ओनली मोटिवेट मी पीपल यू सी इट डजन बॉद मी द काइंड ऑफ हेट एंड थिंग्स लाइक दिस आई थिंक यार होना पड़ता है यू हैव टू हैव अ बिट ऑफ दिस इन लाइफ I had to try out today I thought let me try out some qahwa some coffee with coconut milk you know this one this one a bit variation you know this one <laughs> ah Allahu akbar Allahu akbar Mufti why do you ex muslim why do you give ex muslims time who then twist your words and manipulate them like Vidu and Harris Right I tell you what let's let's share a few words on this um look I and I actually encourage this uh, just one moment whilst I'm doing this I'm going to try to set up that I can um mhm one un momento right i'm just just trying to see if i can i can't <laughs> my it skills may be <laughs> you know okay but not all that yet ah well you know on that note i'd like to say that people who uh want to get involved um and have certain skill sets um he's ignoring hasan ditta says he's ignoring facebook 
Abe, yaar, I'm not ignoring, but it's, I'm just trying to figure out, <laughs> it's a bit tricky. Uh, nevertheless, those of you that have some skill sets and you're happy to kind of assist me, uh, or want to be a part of my kind of project and my stuff and reach out to me inshallah let's see why not the more the merrier on this on this journey of ours but um right it's just that the facebook comments seem to be kind of freezing so they're coming but they they kind of like they freeze and then come all of a sudden at once so it's um Huzaifa Hamirani has asked, who is your tailor? Tailor! <laughs> Come on, there's bigger things to worry about than who's my tailor. Right, now, I want to speak about this. Um, somebody's asked about Haris Sultan or Vidu Vids or why do I show these people respect? Or Look, I want to say something. I encourage each and all to be genuine in their journey of, of life, to pursue what they feel is going to give meaning to their life, okay? Now to some people, they along the way may not feel that Islam is for them. I mean, although theologically, I feel that Islam does stand the test of time. I feel that it does stand up to any critique or criticism. And on some things, there are nuances where we have to, I feel, we have to reevaluate uh, maybe certain uh, narratives that we have. But I do feel overall Islam does stand the test of time. Maybe not certain manifestations of it, but the deen in and of itself. But there will be people along the way that will disagree with us and there will be a divergence in our path. But we are still all insan. We are Bani Adam. We are here to discuss. We are here to walk this journey of ours on our own. Okay. And I respect that. I respect that a person can actually think about something, that they can actually examine something. Because most, not most, but many, there are many atheists that I've met. I mean, not, I haven't met thousands and thousands that I've discussed with, but I've met a certain amount of people that I've had uh, some good, deep, dialogical discussions with. And in all honesty, many of them have considered and thought about God and religion much more than most religious folk and that's in my experience like they actually take it very seriously this is the problem with them that they take it far too seriously and but i respect that i respect the courage it takes to make a decision even if that decision is to part ways with with this faith because look the quran is not in need or islam is not in need of anybody's faith the quran actually says man man you know if you want to believe believe if you want to disbelieve disbelieve this is the quran so we should still in my understanding have 
And you don't need to. I don't think you need to. I'm not saying everybody must do this, but if you, let's say, do get on with somebody from a human perspective, I think you should. And you should have, you know, that, that kind of, you should have a friendly bridge to each and all, regardless of their differences. And as human beings, you can get on. Do you think everybody around the Prophet was Muslim? I mean, you're f mistaken ridiculously if that's what you think. Because they weren't. They were not Muslim. Okay. In fact, even at, in the final hours, in the final days of the life of the Prophet wasallam, when he needed, he needed staple food, he needed wheat and he needed uh, raw food products to sustain his family who did he take it from who did he leave as a uh, uh, uh in lure his his shield he kind of pawned his shield uh in place for this food it wasn't the muslims it was a jewish trader I mean, we're mistaken where we think that the Muslims were so, you know, we have this understanding that Islam came and everybody was just Muslim. <laughs> that is so far from the truth. Even in the Prophet's lifetime, I don't think the majority, uh, forget the majority of Arabia, the majority of the people of Medina and things like this may not have been Muslim. And that's understandable, because when you think about it, how many people did Hijra from Mecca? How many people did Hijra? They, a few hundred. That's it, really. You know, what do you think, like 10,000 people got up and left? No, they didn't. And in Medina, how many people do you think embraced Islam? I'm sure they did in the hundreds. But that's it. They weren't like hundreds of thousands. And they say at the end of the Prophet's life, people say in some narrations that all Muslims that could attend the pilgrimage attended. And they were a hundred thousand, they say. And that's from the whole of Arabia, coming from as far down as Arabia Felix, which is Yemen, coming up from that, right up from there to the northern Arabian, which is Arabia Petria, uh, right, according to the Roman kind of maps, or Ar Arabia Deserta, which is the Hejaz and all of these parts. And you're considering from a population of Arabs that, if you consider the Middle East as well, probably 10 million Arabs, out of whom 100,000 come to the Hajj. 100,000 is a lot, but it's nothing when you're looking at 10 million. And even if you double the number to say that half of those people stayed at home and you triple it to say, well, they could have had little children, it's still 300,000. Even if you stretch it to 400,000 out of 10 million. It's not a... So I think we, we live in like a cuckoo kind of universe where we think like everybody just saw the prophet and embraced islam and everybody sung you know they they and all the companions and whoever met the companions joined hands and they all uh, you know kind of kumbaya my lord it was nothing like that they were 
the the Muslims for a few centuries were always a minority. They were they may have been a dominating minority in certain parts of the world. So even when Bani Umayyah were ruling the Middle East and the Abbasids after them, they were a dominating minority and they were a powerful kind of minority, but they weren't just one moment. What's happened here? Give me a moment. One moment, people. I think this just give me un momento. Right, people, un momento, I'm back. Sorry about that, sorry about that. I just, you know, one thing, I had this little drink here and it's kind of spilt and I was a bit worried it was, <laughs> it spilt over the, the actual laptop, but no, it hadn't. It's fine. Cool. All right, so back to where I was right so um, yeah so I mean I I want to add to that so we sometimes live in this kind of cuckoo world that we think that everybody was always so um, you know they everybody was just Muslim and it wasn't like that at all so coming back to Haris Sultan I wanted to say actually because somebody reminded me look first of all we should be secure about our faith I want to be very clear on that if somebody challenges Islam they don't intimidate my faith okay I want to be absolute and I do disagree with uh, uh, with the way that certain people um, with the way sometimes certain people do respond like uh, there was uh, the case of uh, Junaid Hafiz which I spoke about where the apostate if he was an apostate he's sentenced to uh, the blasphemy laws in Pakistan and I've got a video on that do check it out but I wanted to highlight that regarding that I know I did see several people sent me a post of Abdullah Gundal, who I have a friendly relationship with. 
and I did read the post and it was a very kind of angry post uh, following on from the Junaid Hafiz case and it was kind of F this, F that, F God, F the Prophet, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. And obviously I don't, I don't like that just as any Muslim wouldn't like it, but right and several people kind of sent this to me and they said like oh you know what's you know what the hell and and people were kind of and then he'd said on there that look you know what i'm going to do is i'm going to tear out pages of the quran and i'm gonna smoke them up as a, i'm gonna roll them up as a joint and smoke them uh smoke the joint on live or something now th this kind of stuff now he obviously i'm, I'm i don't think he he was going to do something like that but it's saying this kind of stuff um right saying this kind of stuff is obviously you know so toxic and so kind of radioactive because it really harms the cause of apostates or of ex-muslims or of atheists or people like this because I can understand the frustration. I can understand because I've got a video myself condemning the Pakistani blasphemy laws and saying that Junaid Hafiz, it is ridiculous and unacceptable by Islam what they are doing to him. And this, you know, it is an affront to Allah and his messenger that in his name they are conducting these kind of uh, tyrannies. But this kind of stuff in turn obviously aggravates muslims um and it really so i do condemn that kind of, of speech that kind of rhetoric that kind of provocative uh style of saying look i'm gonna burn the quran i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that personally look if a person wants to burn the quran i've got a video on this with the norway quran burnings and i've said that as muslims you know, if somebody wants to burn the Quran, if anything, I kind of like pity their naivety and stupidity. Because, I mean, do you, do you really think you're causing harm to the Quran? That the Quran isn't being harmed by your, you know, faith is, you know, it's mastaqarra fil qalb, you know. And the, the thing is that it's not, this isn't like that. By you burning a mushaf, you know, there's, there's a mushaf here. If somebody burnt this mushaf, I mean, it's... I think it's completely unhumane to do something like that. But if somebody burnt it, I, I, if anything, I laugh at their stupidity. Because do you think that that's going to, by, by burning paper, you will eradicate faith from the hearts of the believers? That, that's not how faith works. Or it's not how it ought to work. And should I kind of come and beat you up for burning paper? No, no, I shouldn't. I should not. If anything, I should just, <laughs> I should find it amusing how dumb you are. <laughs> that you actually think that that is harming the faith of Islam. It isn't. So, yeah, but I mean, so I, I do condemn, look, I agree, I condemn things that are wrong, but having free ideas, free thoughts, 
to be fair, I, I don't know. I don't monitor that closely, people like these ex-Muslims, Haris Sultan, or the people, video vids. But I have, I do watch a few of their things. I am in touch with them on and off. Uh, the things I have seen from Haris Sultan, I haven't actually seen him dis being that, uh, like, I haven't seen him being that kind of disrespectful as in saying, F God, F the Prophet, F the, I haven't seen that kind of stuff. Whether he does it or not, he is not answerable to me, but I haven't seen that. Uh, from what I've seen is he critiques Islam and he's free to do so. It's his choice. It's, it's, and I want to say that this reminds me, I saw a video that was circulated and there were about two or three videos. Yeah. So in this video, they were really just, there were obviously some Pakistanis and they were really offended by, uh, his channel, Pakistani Mulhid, the Pakistani apostate and atheist and they said that so they, they dedicate this whole video swearing at him just like you know you m f you know your mom and one of the videos is dedicated a huge portion just at his mom just saying his mom is the biggest whore there is his mom is like this his mom had a thousand men in one day or his mom had this his mom, you know where is your dignity like is this how you defend islam that you and i actually i watched this and i was like oh my god this is disgusting how can i understand that you're offended he's critiquing islam but to react in this way by saying and and then they had his sister and they had photographs of his sister saying look this is what his sister looks like you know oh i want to do this to her i want to do that to her oh we want to rape her we want to we should all get together and rape his sister and what is wrong with people honestly i was so i thought what 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 is seriously wrong with these people do they think they're doing god a favor you know this is where allah says in the quran yamununa alayka and aslam you know these people they think they're doing a favor upon you by being muslim upon the prophet they're not this is it is an insult to the prophet to kind of say and and the irony is this guy, Haris Sultan, his mom and sister are actually Muslim. <laughs> this is like so, oh my God, they're actually Muslim. They're not ex-Muslim. They, and they just non-stop going at these people like, oh my God, this whole thing dedicated at let's, you know, everybody, we should screw his female family members. It's like, wow, like this stuff, I find it so degrading. I find it, honestly, I find it hurtful to see this, that, okay, disagree with the guy, even if he is sarcastic towards Islam, be sarcastic towards him, you know, fine, be sarcastic towards him, I, I don't care, I'm, oh, I think that I'm sarcastic towards many people, but I think there's, there's standards, you know, there's ethics, <laughs> you know, this this Islam, <laughs> this is not, honestly, I, I, Yes, salam. Yes, salam. Wow. That's all I have to say. Honestly, wow. Um, th this is really deeply. So, yeah. So, I mean, th I just want to put that out there that don't kind of don't support things like that. Support critiques. Meet ideas with ideas. 
If somebody comes, challenges your idea, meet them with strength. Meet them with concepts. Meet them with eloquence. Meet them, but don't kind of, you know, F this and F is this and let's all get... And you know something, I, I want to mention something. You know, um, a while back I was chatting with one of my atheist friends from the gym <laughs> from the gym he works there we we have a lot of some some you know sometimes we have these vampire kind of uh dialogues um so it's interesting how he pointed out to me he's, he's a white guy he said to me that have you noticed that whenever there's a video of uh like, let's say somebody who's either criticizing Islam or he could be an Islamophobe. Like, let's say Britain first or they're clearly racist or they're clearly uh, Islamophobic. Let's say they are. You know, no benefit of the doubt. Let's just go in that you've got some people who do hate Islam and they're always scaring people. He said, have you noticed in the comments on the videos so many Muslims are always just saying, oh, let's rape her, let's rape her. Like, you know, this woman needs to be raped by so many men. He said, like, have you noticed like that Muslims seem to be the only people that seem to make, like, in abundance, so many comments like that? That everybody, and what, and I just find that so ironic that we as a faith, as a deen that is meant to kind of honor women, that says that, you know, the Prophet taught things like Al-Jannah Tahta Aqdam Al-Ummahat, that this is where Jannah is, that in comments and things like this, whenever we get aggressive, the first thing we threaten is, let's rape all their women. <laughs> I mean, what, what the hell is wrong with people? So, yeah, I do find it very um, dis disappointing, disheartening, embarrassing as a Muslim to see so many Muslims, and it's not all Muslims, but there are unfortunately a very noisy few that seem to appear to represent. But yeah, so I just wanted to put that out there. Um, right, okay, cool. Let's take some of these questions. Somebody's asking, Mufti, what's your opinion on G.A. Parvez? Who's G.A.? G.I. Joe? G.I. <laughs> Joe, people, G.I. Joe. Let's see what is going on. On that note, let me see. Have we got a... Fuck. <laughs> ਮੈਂ <laughs> <laughs> right so people let me just bring up let me bring up the my, my facebook gente are saying that yeah people's 
Where is the Facebook comments? I'm just waiting for them to... don't know what it is with some of these. Oh, there they are. I'm seeing them. Alright! Which Arabic poets... Can you read one for us? Somebody said, can you read a poem for us? Okay, let's... Uh, um, shall we take one of Ghalib G's? Chacha Ghalib. Chacha Ghalib, huh? You know what it is? Ghalib... Oh, See, there's many an awesome poet in this world, people. But they say Ghalib had a style of his own. Allah, Allah, Allah. He has an amazing one where he says, he says, Koi surat nazar nahi aati, koi ummeed bhar nahi aati. That no hope of mine seems to be fulfilled. I can't seem like this. No vision comes to mind. That Mot ek din muayyan hai. Neend raat bar nahi aati. That even though death has a set date, why is it that I can't fall asleep at night? And this is actually quite fascinating because the thought of death, it robs people of their peace of mind. There was an amazing comic sketch I once I read a little while back where the guy sitting, the kid sitting there with his pet dog, and they're having a conversation. <laughs> Uh, I've forgotten, uh, it's, it'll come to me the name of the, it's a famous comic, but, and he says, he says, you know, he says, someday we all have to die. And I think it's the dog that responds by saying, yeah, but every other day we don't. <laughs> Allah, 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 you have to love the positivity people. That's what I'm talking about. So he says, Mot ka ek din muayyan hai, neend raat bar kyun nahi aati? Pehle to aati ti hale dil pe hasi, ab kisi baat par nahi aati. <laughs> he says, first, I, I would laugh at this, this state of being in love. But now I don't seem to find anything funny. That we are there, we're in such a state of mind where we don't even know what is happening to us. We don't understand ourselves. He says, Kaaba kis se jaoge ghalib? Sharam tumko magar? That with what face, with what dignity will you be able to face the Kaaba Ghalib? That how, how dare you want to go to the Kaaba? Sharam tumko magar You have no shame. <laughs> oh, Ghalib, Ghalib, Ghalib. Honestly, I totally love 
Um, I, I, I love Ghalib, man. I mean, as well as the other poets, Mir, whether it's going to be Dagh, Zawq, especially the classics, Momin Khan, Momin. These people, I, I encourage people to really study. Uh, if you can understand Urdu, I encourage you to study poetry. It will open up your, your it will take you to another realm. In their concepts, you will find God, Allah. That's 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 what I experience anyway. So, and it's amazing, and it will expand your vocabulary, expand your experiences. There's a a very an awesome couplet of Ghalib's where he says, "You see, just to tell you that sitam." is obviously like a kind of uh, tyranny, like some kind of vicious <laughs> uh, act, aggression. And in Farsi, they would make the plural by adding ha at the end, or sitam ha. But if you're going to put it with another word, they say sitam hai. And in this couplet, he says sitam haye judai, that the the, the suffering, the affliction of separation. Sitam Hayyajuda. And Arz is to be kind of exposed to that. So he says, Ghalib, he says, Na de nale ko itna tool Ghalib, mukhtasar likte. He says, you know, that's enough, Ghalib. Don't, you know, this, that like you're, you're kind of, comp you're kind of airing your, grievance you're kind of saying out loud what you've suffered you're complaining you're whining don't Allah nah, 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 nah. <laughs> he says Nade, nale, nala is like your kind of complaint nale ko itna tool tool is to stretch as it's an Arabic word uh, just write it briefly that that I'm somebody who was, he was kind of absorbed or subsumed by desire and consumed by, he was ke hasrat sanjhu arze sitam haye judaika that I was somebody just wretched with desire that was exposed to the affliction of separation just write it briefly like that. <laughs> Let the people figure what they have to figure. Right, so, right now, let's move on. What is going on? What is going on? Who can deliver me? Yusuf Hamza says, who can deliver me? Uh, butter chicken. Right, so there you go. All right, and he's got deleted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Somebody's asking some questions here. What is what is your opinion about Nasikh Mansukh in the Quran? Is any of the verses abrogated or not? Please answer. Okay, th this is an interesting question. I do accept the concept of abrogation, but I feel that um, there's a number of things I disagree and uh, with people on it as well. So I do feel that rulings do change over time. As they change, they may outdate or sorry outrule prior rulings. 
I agree with that as a concept, the concept of abrogation, just as each civilization is different to a civilization before it. So, so I'm 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 fine with that. I disagree with. I think there's a lot of guesswork as well in how many verses are abrogated, what kind of things are abrogated. I think, um, what does abrogation mean? I would disagree maybe with some of this stuff. So people would feel that once something is abrogated, it has no lesson in it at all. But I, I, I disagree entirely. I feel that there's still so much relevance for even the abrogated verses in understanding that there was once a time like that. In understand so if you take, for example, the verse of um, the verse of uh, cutting the hands of the thief. Now, I would feel that that was abrogated and changed. And this change was mandated by the Sharia when the time came, as Abu Qasim al-Burzuli, the great Maliki scholar, uh, you know, he wrote and taught that in his time, uh, which is about 800 years ago. So, the, the, sorry, about 600 years ago, he was in about the 800 Hijri. So now, the, the, the point of that is that the verse would still carry relevance in saying that these acts are serious acts. That they are serious acts, that these, this matter needs to be taken into great consideration, that the public property uh, must be protected at all times, that crimes must not go unpunished, that there must be justice, that the justice must not only exist but be seen to exist by the public. Okay, that nakalam min Allah, that sometimes that these can be as a deterrent, that uh, Allah mentions these things. Now, you, you, so there's many that there was historicity to this verse, that the Quran was dealing with people's actual problems, and just the delivery, the method of the punishment is what has varied over time. So I do agree in ab with abrogation. I just feel that maybe my way of looking at it might be slightly different. I also feel that these verses, um, several other verses went on with the day and age to become abrogated, which people may not agree with me, like things like uh, capital punishment or um, cutting the hands of the thief and things like that. So, okay, I, I hope that's of uh, some help. Cool. What is going on, people? What is going on? On that note, let's take a... I, I will be today, I'll be taking a look at... Uh, I'll be covering a bit of uh, a fiqh info, which is the School of Medina. I'll give a little insight into uh, the Risala of Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qaidawani. There are actually a lot of people who have had an interest in the School of Medina. They want to learn about it, so I'll give a little bit of a background about that and go into his book a little later on. I also want to discuss later on about uh, our beloved <laughs> Sheikh Asrar G. Sahib. <laughs> damn it! Damn it! Wala zalat! Barakatuhul aliyah! That is, uh, you know, <laughs> damn it! Fuyuduhu! <laughs> the Sheikh Asrar the blessed <laughs> has discovered where the Ya'juj and Ma'juj are people. Behold, I saw a pale horse. But in this case, it wasn't a pale horse. It's a pale donkey on this mountain. And behold, behind it, 
<laughs> is the address, the GPS location. One to go for this is for the Yajuj and Majuj, and our beloved, <laughs> beloved uh, Sheikh Asrar has found that. So I'd like to share some some kind words. Manda Nachis, I'm 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 not worthy, you know, but. I'd like to share some words on that a bit later on. So, uh, right, so that's going to be fascinating. But before we get on to that, people, right, so, you know, I want to say that the school of Medina, Maliki Madhabia, is so awesome if understood correctly, because it is a school, an interpretation uh, of this of this deen that comes from Medina itself, from the city of the Prophet. It is firmly rooted in the Sunnah, yet equally it has his other foot firmly placed in welfare, which as it changes, the rulings change. So, and this is pioneered, or it's, it, the school existed from the time of the companions after the Prophet, but it becomes championed by the great Imam Malik, the Don of Medina people, who obviously I follow as well. I'm Maliki, Mufti Abu Layth al-Maliki people. But then there are some <laughs> who, you know, who despite <laughs> ascribing to this madhab, Allah, Allah, <laughs> you know, in the words of uh, Daag Dehlavi, where he says, <laughs> that rather than coming like this, it was better that you didn't come. <laughs> so this, people, is what some people were sharing about Maliki Fiqh. In, as you can see, I'll let, let you have a quick read. In, uh, in the Maliki Fiqh groups. Here we have somebody who, visual storyteller, and this is rather visual, one must, oh, rather, one must say that what many Malikis don't know about ghusl, ghusl is the mandatory kind of ritual bath, okay, showering, is because dalk, dalk means a kind of rubbing over, so kind of, like if I'm washing my hands, I'm wiping over, it doesn't actually mean rubbing, but unfortunately some People have considered it a kind of rubbing, <laughs> but it's just a wiping over, really. So, dalk is a pillar of ghusl. Pillar. Pillar, people. Pillar. <laughs> visual, visual. So, the whole body must be physically washed. You have to squat, people. You have to squat, right, to be able to wash your back opening. <laughs> I've I've heard of a cognitive opening. <laughs> what this one? This back opening, you know this back opening. <laughs> the back opening. So you have to squat to to be able to wash your back opening properly. If you don't if you do this standing, it makes the ghusl invalid so here people our new maliki recruit is 
this one. <laughs> People don't judge, you see, because what he's actually doing is he's getting the back opening. <laughs> So, <laughs> so this, you know, like there's some, those Moroccan scholars, they were called Romari. But this guy is Romri. <laughs> he's not Romari, he's Romri. <laughs> so, so as you can see, this is a fine example of where you take something so awesome, like Romri he has done, and you, instead of showing it the awesome way it is, you turn it into something so ridiculous. <laughs> so everybody can just mock. <laughs> God, this is why we're suffering, people. This is why we're suffering. Because we're not getting to the back opening, you know, the back. <laughs> yeah, are you talking from the front opening or the back opening? What is this one? <laughs> So not nice, you know. <laughs> if you open the back opening too much, you know the pillar. <laughs> what language is this? A pillar, <laughs> and then the back opening. <laughs> Somebody help this Romri. <laughs> Give him. You know what? We'll pay for his therapy. <laughs> It's hilarious, people. It's hilarious. But this kind of stuff, it has to be. <laughs> you know, people think, they say, Mufti, what? It's not me. It's the people. They do this kind of stuff. <laughs> Let's take some questions. Let's take some questions. Mufti, why do you advocate scientism? scientism i i don't advocate scientism i advocate the voice of reason um i believe in god god isn't proven by science or neither disproven by science how can, so i mean i clearly am not uh, advocating scientism yes i advocate science and i think you'd have to be dumb stupid and <laughs> <laughs> hopefully handicapped because if you <laughs> because if you're handicapped you've got an excuse if you're not handicapped then <laughs> so the you see science is obviously the way forward it's always you know it's been the way forward let's just face it Allah in the Quran tells us that look around, you know, that Allah says, He says, Siru fil ardi. Why don't you traverse the earth? And then look how creation began. Allah doesn't say in the Quran, Oh, let me tell you how creation began. It began, I got some clay and I did this and that was creation. He says, Why don't you walk about in the earth and learn? Observe your environment. That is science. It is to observe your environment. People, we must, you know, this is why I, I always advocate broadening your kind of horizons. Right now, I'm going through uh, Yuval Harari's uh, second book, Homo Deus. Wow, it is, honestly, it is amazing. Sapiens was epic up there. 
but uh homo deus is is definitely a sequel i mean it's amazing it's you know it, it's probably on a similar level to sapiens uh, I found Sapiens a bit more powerful, but this is still very, it's, it's incredible. But there's a point in there where he highlights, where he says that, look, human perception, right? Because, I, and I want you to think about this. He says for millennia, for thousands and thousands upon thousands of years, rabbis, priests and then later imams muftis whoever you know th these kind of uh, sages they've all said to mankind for millennia that man alone cannot eradicate famine or plague that man can maybe assist but he alone cannot eradicate it it will only and can only be done by God. But he makes an amazing point. He says that for th thousands of years, this is what rabbis and priests uh, and these kind of leaders told the uh, religious leaders, uh, sh you know, shamans and all these people told their followers. And then along come bankers, investors, scientists, and within one to two hundred years, they eliminate <laughs> they eliminate famine, plagues. Ah, <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Honestly, I love this kind of stuff. It really, and it's an eye opener because really, what that ought to do is show us that maybe we've been misunderstanding. As people, I mean, uh, I don't understand religion like that, but m people who have been understanding religion like that, maybe they need to re-examine and think, oh yeah. <laughs> Along come bankers, investors, and scientists. Allah, Allah, Allah. So, can you just imagine, t think about this people. Imagine the world news was to be done from a pure theological perspective. Just imagine this. I mean, this would be absurd. None of us would accept this. Like, let's say this was the news. It was saying, oh, and a storm hit such and such. It wouldn't say, oh, a storm is coming this way or it did this. It, imagine it was to say, and God got angry and punished such and such people. And God was un. Uh, in in the last quarter, God is unhappy with India, thereby reducing their GDP. And God is happy with China and has increased their GDP. And God has uh, smiled on Northern Europe and increased the temperature uh, thereby. Meanwhile, God seems to be upset with, uh, let's say, parts of I don't know parts of Asia and has caused certain storms and things. <laughs> Can you imagine if this was the news? <laughs> and today God has been pleased uh, and we can t uh, and thereby increased the the you know the stock market exchanges that have taken place whereas yesterday God was displeased and thereby caused the stock markets to crash. <laughs> See this would be crazy. 
because nobody would accept <laughs> that would be like what the hell are you saying <laughs> because we know in this world there's cause and effect it's not god god doing it there's there's people god has allowed human beings to just exercise their, their intelligence so ah, right so i mean yeah so i just wanted to say that that that's uh Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, science and God go hand in hand. Or science is simply the forces of nature which have been laid out by God. They're not about going hand in hand. They are just, it is just laws of nature that God has decreed. All right, what is your opinion on uh, Javed Ramadi Saab and engineer Muhammad Ali Mirza. Uh, Javed Ramadi Saab, I have heard quite a bit of. I love Javed Ramadi Saab. Uh, I think he's an amazing asset to this, to this day and age, to the Urdu speaking world. And he is proof and testimony that in this day and age, Pakistan or the Indian subcontinent can produce great scholarship. Uh, engineer Muhammad Ali Mirza, I've not heard too many of his things, to be honest. I, I think he's definitely much better than, uh, you know, and he's definitely a scholar, much more kind of uh, open-minded than many other scholars, much more kind of, he's, I don't think he's totally neutral, but n closer to the neutral thing than other sectarian scholars of the subcontinent. But I haven't really watched too many of his things. Yeah. You're doing some next level question, Ive Mufti. What are your thoughts on celebrating the Molid? I've already answered this on so many occasions that look, I don't personally celebrate the, the Prophet's birthday or things like this, but I don't condemn people who do it. It doesn't bother me in that sense. Like I, uh, I think that it, you know, as a religious thing. I mean, when I say celebrate, I mean as an act of Islam is this part of the deen of islam i don't think it's part of the deen of islam but if a person wants to do it that's fine it doesn't you know i don't think they're doing anything wrong um so it's as simple as that i what i do find problematic is all the the kind of hoo-ha and everything and you know blocking roads and doing processions and stuff like this i don't um, like that kind of stuff yeah all right what is going on? Somebody is saying, is Abu Huraira an unreliable narrator? Did Umar beat him? Did Abu Hanifa refuse to narrate from him? That's an interesting thing. I think that Abu Huraira, radiallahu an, um, I think if we have to be honest about our tradition, I think there's the need personally I would take a center approach. I, I disagree with the the kind of Shia approach of just throwing Abu Huraira just entirely out the window with all his narrations. Um, I feel that that's, I just feel that that's a bit of, uh, that it's a kind of bitter and spiteful, or it may have some kind of spite in that angle. On the other hand, I disagree with the, uh, with the, the view of certain Sunni scholars in sanctifying 
Abu Huraira radiallahu an, in saying anything this man, this, you know, this companion has said must be from the Prophet of God himself. Uh, I think that's like, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. Like, I mean, why must it be? I mean, Abu Huraira was a companion of the Prophet, but he came much later on in Islam. He's from the tribe of those. He comes when they come. He stays. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a poor person. The Prophet caters for him and he does spend time with the Prophet. But I think it's unquestionable that several narrations from him have a huge question mark on them. Did he have false memories? Did he mix them up? Did people who narrate them from him mix them up? Did he, because he narrates just way too much, way too much. That I mean, it's, you know, if this was any other tradition, we would be critical. Let's face it, you know, imagine this was Christianity. You know, we would be like, like imagine Paul just happens to be the one narrating so much from Jesus. And it's like, well, uh, you never even met Jesus. <laughs> you know, this is, we would be critical. So, and then we have proof that several narrations from Abu Huraira are not sound. They are mistakes. You know, there's that uh, famous, I mean, there's so many, but I've quoted many in the past as well. Uh, and, and Imam Malik brings in the motto that Abu Huraira used to go and study with Jewish scholars and he used to take knowledge from them. And I feel that there definitely was some conflation, that he definitely would have mixed up certain things. And then people who took them from him would have mixed them further. Because you have to remember, there was like a hundred years, if not a bit more, of, of hadith kind of free-floating. And there was no regulations. N you know, it was non-regulated hadith. So people were just making things up. So... But that doesn't mean all hadith were made up, but um, I think it definitely means you need to heighten your sensitivities. That said, I, I don't agree with kind of, there's a difference in being, uh, in critiquing, evaluating, and just, you know, criticizing for the sake of it. I disagree with that approach of criticizing the companions, even if, and I, I don't kind of sanctify them in the sense as they, they're above human, but I've got a video explaining that, and that goes into much more detail on should we criticize the companions. It's definitely worth watching. Um, Yeah, I and you know, just another subaltern said, uh, to be honest, my teacher Shia doesn't mind quoting or going through Sunni sources. I think that uh, people need to chill out about some stuff and just educate themselves. I totally agree. I think we need to chill out a bit with this whole, um, you know, this Sunni Shia kind of hatred thing. I think, I seriously think we need to chill out. Um, there's certain Shia scholars that, you know, you, you see great ilm in some of them. I, I haven't listened to that many really, but I've come across a few on YouTube sometimes. People like Kamal uh, Haydari, Maulana Kamal Haydari. I've been like, wow, this guy is... And he's quoting Sunni sources so many times just to show that look what Sunnis are saying. And he actually challenges a lot of the Shia tradition as well. Um, and so I, th I think we need to step out of this box of trying to say you're not allowed to think uh and without these blinkers on you can think however you want you understand
in uh, uh, somebody saying about on also regarding namaz jasinda mir can you speak please talk about rulings on other regarding salah i'm not sure exactly what that question means um i think what it means is in the sense of saying well how can you miss salah uh if that's the <laughs> everybody wants to miss salah just come on this side <laughs> and before we know it we've got a huge <laughs> <laughs> right so the thing is that look salah is is to between you and god okay there are reasons in which you can combine prayers for example there's reasons in which you can shorten prayers um primarily what is mentioned is things like travel but illness i would argue that illness is definitely uh, a greater reason than just travel i i would argue anyway but i mean people may disagree <laughs> they may say <laughs> who the hell are you but still eyes <laughs> i so the i would argue that things like that uh definitely there's been scholars of the past uh you know people like ibn sirin from the salaf ashab from the malikiya there's been other people who have said that you one could combine prayer even if there was no uh i mean there was a reason but it wasn't like a need it was just an inconvenience and they just combined it but they said that a person should be weary not to make that into a habit you know uh, as they mention in many of the books but yeah so i i would say that's fine if people were you know if there's going to be inconvenience today they're going somewhere they're doing so they just pray you know to get they can combine the prayers so yeah so th these are some kind of other and i would say other other that you feel inconvenience you like think about it in the time of the prophet people rain they would say you know what it's raining we're gonna combine the prayers <laughs> and today i mean in the uk you know it rains a lot so to us it might not be an inconvenience because we've got systems set up for the rain but what i'm trying to say is that they just adapted to their circumstances so that's what we must do just adapt to our circumstances i hope that answers some of the the questions mm -hmm. moon sighting calculations ah forget about that was ali bitter about the caliphate or is that a shia fabrication uh was he bitter about the caliphate shia i don't think oh you mean bitter towards abu Bakr and umar hmm you see i think we have to understand that look th that th these were human beings at the end of the day all of them and they carried human emotions you know they they were upset with each other at times just as look think about it like this you could have a really great friend whose company you know you could long for and you know you have great kind of energy together and things like this but you know sometimes they could be you know you could be a bit restless and ah oh, you just you could get annoyed maybe one day with that friend but then then you know a few hours later you're fine 
these things, the companions were no different. They were normal human beings like that. So they, you know, they, they got upset with people. They got, you know, there's the story of uh, the incident of, of Ali radiallahu an having an argument with Fatima, uh, you know, radiallahu anha. And, and, and the prophet comes and he doesn't say, oh, what the hell? And doesn't need it. And the famous incident of Ya Aba Turab, that old Abu Turab, because he it kind of got up and he had dust. Ali had dust on his back. He was kind of lying down outside. He was up. They'd had he had had a quarrel, like a little fight with um, uh, his wife Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet. So you see, these things are human things. There's nothing. It happens. You know, it's life. It's not something to be so. And it, I, I personally do feel that Ali radiAllahu an was upset. I do feel he was upset with the way the caliphate was. I don't think he was, this is my personal understanding. Now, Sunnis and Shia may disagree with me. They may, may not. I don't think Ali necessarily felt he he should have gone first. I don't think that that was his quarrel. I think his he was upset that they sidelined him, even though he was from the prominent people. Um, and it does seem that they sidelined, but I, I don't know whether they sidelined him. I don't think they sidelined him as in it was a collective conscious effort as in, hey, let's quickly do this, Ali isn't here. It was just, oh, we need to sort this out, let's do this, let's do this, and Abu Bakr, Umar, and other people start sorting this out. And, and it is a criticism, I think it is a criticism that people can say that, look, um, it's a very stoic approach they took. That is, uh, there's a lot of stoicism that, you know, the prophet has passed away and, you know, rather than concerning yourself with the prophet and his burial and you're more concerned about the the political state of affairs. Um, I mean, they in their response, in their response, they could say, well, maybe they had a very stoic kind of, uh, you know, way of life that to them death was a very natural process in which they didn't really like today death is a huge tragedy um and and the more kind of removed we become from nature we we are more traumatized with the concept of death um i think we as a as a whole i put myself in that i i you know but uh in fact in the words of mir where he says uh He says, Marte to subhemir, Parna is sane, Marte to subhemir, Parna is sane ha kesat, ke matam peteri kui naroya pukarke. That mir, everybody dies, but not with such a tragedy. <laughs> that nobody cried on, at your funeral. tragedy huh? so the thing is that I I do see that I can see why Fatima radiallahu anha was would be upset about that because it's her father and she's thinking wait a minute my father no sooner does he pass away that you're all more preoccupied about the state um, and I can see their defense. I'm not saying, you see, I'm not, I'm trying not to take any sides. I'm, I'm just trying to say, I can see this. I can see that. I can see that they, their response may be just one of a stoic lifestyle. 
that they're just very stoic. You know, it's like you re read about the companions that there's this story uh, that uh, one of the companions, um, this lady, her, her child died. The, the child was ill for like uh, a few weeks and, and one day the child dies. And what she does is she just buries the child. The father hasn't even come home. She just buries him. Uh, she conducts the, the little kind of gets the funeral thing conducted, buries him. Uh, prepares food and everything. This is a story. Once again, it's it's transmitted. Uh, right now, I'm not. I can't recall its authenticity, but it's a story that's well transmitted. And and she waits for the, the husband to come home, and he just comes and he just says, "Oh, is he a, is the child asleep? I can't remember whether it's a girl or boy." Says the child asleep, and she says yes. And the story is that you know she she has this food prepared for him, and she's all kind of uh, done up. And and they have sex, and she tells and she has sex with the intent to conceive, and the next day she tells him that look yesterday I don't want to stress you out but our child died and I buried him, and she's and then she says and I did this, uh, and I and I meaningfully had sex in the hope that we conceive, and in this story that this is then reaches the prophet and the prophet prays that you know may Allah bless their union and they do have a child now i'm just saying this story um is very i mean for this day and age it's it's way too i mean you know it would something like that may drive somebody insane but you can picture whether the story is true or not but you can picture these things happening in a prior uh, you know, civilization where stoicism was, you know, this kind of, this kind of just get on with it in life uh, attitude was the way and the norm. So, yeah, so I mean, and I'm not trying to take sides here, I'm just trying to highlight, but that's my thoughts anyway. Do you take calls from respectful kuffar? <laughs> kuffar them! Why not? Why not? Huh? Why not? Defending theism, the guy was timed out. He kept copy pasting the same. All right, boss. All right, doing it, doing it. Right. So, what's going on? Let's take a look at some of these questions. Uh, how do you clarify the spirituality of the Sahaba? Uh, like, for instance, not knowing arrows in their bodies whilst praying. People would leave home for months and come back. To many changes um, you see look some things may be exaggerated and some things may be real you have to remember as well that uh, sometimes certain wounds I don't think that for example the companions you know like there's these stories that they would get shot with arrows and they'd carry on praying I think in those incidents if they be true I don't think it's that they never knew. Oh my God, like I'm praying and I've got an arrow in my eye. <laughs> that would just be absurd. I think they would have known, but one can enter a deep meditative state, especially if you're trained to enter that. And you have to remember that certain things, the body reacts in certain ways with adrenaline and things like this, that often, that some, in many incidents, for example, people, when they're stabbed, if, they, if, if there's a stabbing, which is a, a surprise, sudden stabbing, if it's just one, 
in many cases, people don't even realize they're actually stabbed. They actually just, it's until they don't see the blood that they realize, oh my God, I've been stabbed. So in many cases, they just feel a kind of like a, a sudden, but they just carry on until they check and think, oh my God, I, I'm bleeding. So it's the body's kind of shock uh, mechanisms that can sustain that compounded with meditative states. That said, I do believe that there are in many in in incidents um, an exaggerative kind of uh, tone is used as well. So, but I don't feel that it's impossible, but I just feel that it may be sometimes kind of glossed over with a very kind of like an exaggerated rhetoric. Cool. All right. I'm an African kuffar. Ah, <laughs> uh, African kuffar. What's that supposed to mean? I could tell if defending theism is trolling. Uh, is playing chess haram? Hell no. Is Alat the same goddess Athena? Uh, Alat maybe that a lot of gods. Um, a lot of goddesses kind of um, there's an overlap between several kind of gods and goddesses between the the, the Middle East and Greeks the Greek culture and things like that so right alright 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 let's take some other questions do you believe Musa Islam split the Red Sea and actually saw God to the point where he passed out? You see, uh, I've got a video explaining the, the the miracles of Moses that these things were done with they were natural means. And if you look at the Gulf of Aqaba, I have explained. In fact, there's an amazing book called The Exodus by Colin Humphrey. Um, a, I believe he's from Cambridge, but uh, it's an amazing book where he, it, it may be a bit, you know, if you're not into the topic, it might be a bit boring, but I loved it because I was into the topic. He really explains all the miracles with a lot of research from a, his, uh, like an anthropological perspective, a scientific perspective, a geological perspective, and it's amazing. So he does explain how the Gulf of Aqaba at the Red Sea, there is a wind that comes up there and it can actually render the sea to split but it's it's amazing so I do feel there were natural means uh, deployed right do I feel Dhulqarnain was Alexander the Great no I don't no I don't think he was Alexander the Great no right so uh, so 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 uh, let's take are the footprints of the prophet Abraham real? Uh, right. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think we have any footprints that are authentic from the prophet Abraham. Um, I think people may think we do. I don't think we do, unless they're geologically uh, analyzed, which I doubt it. Um, right. If Jahannam is the worst of people, what about good disbelievers? <laughs> <laughs> you know, people, what are your thoughts on this? I want to share with you that I want to speak about artistic fluidity regarding the description of the afterlife, that a morphosis 
of eschatology. Fah. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Look, what I mean by that is it appears that, you see, what we do understand is that the world does not end with death, as in life in and of it, with a capital L, does not end in and of itself with life. This is what we believe, that there is continuity. How is that continuity manifested? How, 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 what does it look like? This, what, the response to that, what we get in, in a kind of picturesque form of uh, Jannah gardens and so on, and all this kind of stuff, and fire and all these things. This is just symbolic in my understanding. Now, even though people do take it literally, of course, but I, and I want to explain this, that look, let's go back in time. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that the Jewish people, the Israelites, they didn't have a concept of the afterlife. Okay, they were told nothing about the afterlife. There's, there's some kind of indications that life doesn't stop, but there's no description at all. And then you have other mythologies, like the Greek mythology, which has uh, this kind of uh, Olympian gods and the Titans and all these people. And you've got people like Zeus and you've got Apollo, you've got Hades. Now, Hades becomes kind of the representative god of the underworld. The underworld is where people would pass into. You know, they would go there, there would be, uh, what is it, Chiron that would kind of take them across on the boat uh, through the river Styx, is it? And, and you would enter into Hades, and once in Hades, you couldn't really escape, and you had to pay the boatman for, you know, the coin, and hence they would put a coin on the eyes or under the tongue. But this concept, now, you've got this mythology, but you've got this understanding of Hades. Now, Hades also, although he was the person, the underworld itself starts to become known by the name of the person and becomes Hades. This Greek mythological culture of the afterlife is then inherited by the Romans, who then kind of Romanize it. And they still have this concept of Hades. So in the early Christian era, so when Jesus is there and, and the Gospels are, are, are alleging that, let's say this is what Jesus has said, they transmit the afterlife, they call it Hades. Now, even though in many translations now they will say hell, instead of Hades. But if you check, I mean, there's several uh, translations of the Bible, English translations. I, I was checking up, um, one of them at least brought it eight times, another one ten times, another time, uh, another version of the Bible brought it a few more, but, and some less, and others substituted it now with the word hell, um, or in recent times with the word hell. But if you check that they, the early kind of uh, transmissions, this is how they would transmit it. So, for example, many famous verses of uh, where Jesus is apparently, where he's addressing Peter, that Peter, you, you know, you are my rock. And Peter is, you know, whether it's Pedro or Patria or whatever, however you want it, it comes from, in fact, the Urdu word Patar, 
it's all linked because they're Indo-European languages, that you are my rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and Hades will not be able to overcome you, that the dark underworld, and when Jesus is saying to Capernaum, that do you think you will go to heaven? You see now, if the underworld is below, where would the positive opposite be? It would be above. And hence in Christianity, heavens are the heavens above. Now we say heaven in, in English, but you see, in Arabic, we don't say Samawat, the heavens. We say Jannah, which is not the heavens. So. Because Hades was the underworld, so the opposite, Cielo, the, the sky, the heavens above, became the opposite. So when Jesus is saying to Capernaum, do you think you will go to the heavens? Rather, you will go to Hades, that you'll go below. Now, it's interesting that Jesus then uses this term Gehennam, or Gehenna, which is the valley of the Hinnom people. And there was this alleged fire that used to burn there and they used to burn all kinds of waste there. And, and Jesus says that, you know, these people, they're wretched, they will go to Gehenna, the fire. Then this narrative of up and below and Hades and this fire part is then picked on. It is, is the, the baton is kind of passed on to the Arabs, the Muslims. And it's interesting, they live in a desert with the scorching heat. So fire, this narrative of Jahannam, which by the way, <coughs> prior to Jesus, Jahannam was never a thing. So Jesus introduces the narrative of the fire. It is then picked up and further expanded on because of the, of the kind of context of the desert. And then what is the opposite? Because with Hades, down below it was above, but with fire, the opposite was an oasis, a garden. And Jannah in Arabic just means a garden. It doesn't mean the heavens, it means a garden. Jannat. So you see the after the afterlife, which is called this kind of eschatology covering the studying of this kind of afterlife, the Akhirah. Eschatology is a kind of illustration in in fluidity, it's in motion. It continues to kind of develop with the day and age. Um, and if anything, it was meant to be symbolic in my understanding. I mean, I know many people do take it literally, but if it was meant to be literal, I feel that there would have been consistency right throughout the traditions, especially the, the Jewish people and, and then the Christians, although the Christians did accept this later on because of Jesus saying it, but the Jewish Bible and things like this and other tradition so that's some food for thought i don't know you don't need to um right right so i don't i don't somebody saying something about that quote is from i don't know but that these are my kind of thoughts on it i've got some videos if you want to check them out cool but right, so and on that, if just before I finish, if you do check and it doesn't say Hades in a lot of these things, that's because of that translation. So a lot of the people then substituted it with the term hell. 
So you have to kind of keep that into, in, into consideration and you check variant kind of translations of the Bible. Cool people, with that, let's, let's move on. What is going on? What is going on, people? Right, on that note, shall we discuss... <laughs> shall we get controversial? Not like I've never been controversial before. <laughs> people, there was a tweet. Uh, I, th I think it was a tweet, or unless it was a Facebook post. But it was shared by uh, Dr. Shadi. Shadi. <laughs> Al Masri. <laughs> Rather. Now, Dr. Shadi Al Masri, uh, <laughs> the real Slim Shady. Can <laughs> so you're sharing this post from this lady. Uh, it, it was a viral kind of post where she was speaking about the porn site Pornhub. I think it was Pornhub or, uh, or she met, let me act like all naive. <laughs> Is it, po, 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 what, what's the word for this? <laughs> but she was saying that the statistics showed <laughs> that there was a particular uh, video that had been kind of searched one of the top five or top ten or something and it's this video of some woman who's kind of I, she describes it <laughs> for field research purposes <laughs> we'll all just take a five minute break <laughs> everybody's back like all refreshed and they're all like really relaxed <laughs> so She's saying that this video had some woman gagged, as in she was part of the, not like forcefully gagged, but as in she, she was gagged in the video and she had some kind of um, sex device at work, <laughs> right? And I think maybe her hands and feet were tied or something, I don't know. But it's something like, so she, her point was that porn is simply, um, what is it, violence against women. So, the interesting thing here was not so much her quote, but it was the kind of dialogue that, uh, or the discussions that ensued when Dr. Shady Al-Masri shared this. Now, you see, there's one thing condemning things like, because I, I made a comment on there as well, and people said that, look, you, you know, oh my God, Mufti, this is, you know, why are you saying this to Dr. Shady Al-Masri and so on and so forth. I said that, look, this may be depraved, like this can be depraved, fine. But how, in all honesty, I don't understand how certain people who hold on to a particular kind of dogma can preach sexual ethics. How? Like people who promote or who advocate, advocate is a better word, and support the validity of child marriages. How? I, I feel they're in no position to condemn other people on things like saying, well, oh, you know, this, because what the point of that, him sharing that was the West is filthy and they've got porn and all of this kind of stuff. Well, let's be honest. 
porn, if you want to do the statistical searches on it, it is the Muslim countries that are actually, you know, they're absorbed in pornography. Now, in fact, you know, the statistics speak for themselves. You can actually check it out on Google, the what country does what search. And it actually shows. Now, but if you want to, like, let's say, fair enough, if people feel that that's depraved, and that's fine, they, they can say that, but do such people get the right to seriously preach sexual ethics who say that not only is it okay and valid to marry a seven-year-old girl or a nine-year-old girl and have penetrative sex with her, they feel that, that that's something that they thrust into the prophet of God. They say the prophet of God did that because God asked him to do it. I mean, how insulting is that to our prophet? So ridiculous, so absurd. And how do these people get... So I utterly, I can honestly, I feel that there is no place for people in this society that speak for the validity of child marriages, that they have no place in this modern society. And, and, and they definitely have no podium to speak on sexual ethics. And, and in all honesty, let's be honest, what kind of ethics are they talking about? You own these people preach of an afterlife where there will just be sexual orgies with countless virgins and drinking alcohol. You know, I mean, how if that's what we're going towards anyway, what difference does it make if people are doing that here? I mean, if that's what you, you know, like this is, am I wrong in saying that? Is this not what people are preaching anyway? That look, don't worry, when you get there, you're going to have so many young virgins to just sleep with all the time so if that is the what we're promoting you know waha kare to halal hai yahan kare to haram hai what kind of ethics is that you know this is horrible 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 but boy just wait till once you're dead oof then we're going to be drowning in it <laughs> it's like yaar what kind of game is this? <laughs> game Either we're saying this whole thing is, you know, like disgusting, or we're saying, no, no, it's awesome in the afterlife. You know, we're going to be, count oh my God, there's going to be ever erect penises and there's going to be, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. If we're going to say this, then what are you know over here what, what, what why are we acting why are we preaching on such a high horse so i just feel that this you know that there is no consistent and this is what shows us hypocrisy in the faith that look be real like be consistent be kind of you know if you want to if you want to preach certain kind of sexual ethics then okay condemn child marriages you know, don't disrespect the prophet by trying to say he married a little girl. That's disgusting. And don't, and then, you know, if you're going to preach just sexual orgies in, in heaven, then, you know, then, then it sounds ridiculous trying to say they're so evil on earth. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, what's the, if you're just enticing somebody, marne ke baad, maut. Well, then, then it's only natural that people are going to want them here as well. <laughs>
so look what I'm tr so I, I I did comment on that and people were like oh Mufti <laughs> but I said I'm sorry I I I find people with these double standards have no position to preach this is a this is a free world yeah and people have rights and I accept that there is exploitation and this needs to be addressed i accept that there's sexual exploitation commercial exploitation industrial exploitation all kinds of exploitation and these issues need to be addressed i accept that but at the same time people have freedoms as well to make choices now but what i'm saying is that if you want to get on such a high horse then you shouldn't carry a baggage a bloody ton load of inconsistencies especially ones which disrespect our profit so that's, I wanted to kind of say that since I was reminded. Oh, Inaya had asked, am I Aquarian? <laughs> I'm actually Capricorn. <laughs> uh, this month was my birthday. Ah, <laughs> uh, people. Yeah. So, right. Not that I, not that I, you know believe in horoscopes and things but i do accept that it is interesting that sometimes people of a certain uh star sign have certain kind of characteristics i have explained previously that i did think that it may be this is a i'm just giving i'm just throwing this out there it may be that if consciousness which is the raw is something which is out there and i've got this in more discussion on my kind of new year's uh, Monday night. If consciousness, which is the Ruh, is more out there, and we, there's like a social collective consciousness, and we tap into it, it kind of like, as we're using the brain, let's say it's at a quantum level, but we kind of tap into consciousness as a device that kind of picks up, um, that picks up consciousness, like, let's say, like a hand, handheld device. I was thinking what could be if consciousness is in the cosmos, then as a theory, it may be that when we were born, the part of the cosmos that was nearer to the earth, maybe that had some impact on the personality of the ruh that we received. If this is how I'm just thinking, I mean, I'm just putting that out there. I mean, I'm not saying that's correct. I'm just, it just got me speculating once, thinking, hmm, that would be interesting if that is how, because some of the things, I, I don't believe in, like, the, that doesn't mean that horoscope readings and things like this are correct, because a lot of them are just really Barnum statements. But I do find, I found certain things intriguing, like the Chinese zodiac calendars of, like, when you were born and what the year of what animal you were born in and the characteristics and it was really fascinating because a bunch of us kind of did this for a laugh i wasn't the one doing it and and they went through everybody in my extended family i mean like siblings nephews nieces extended p people and everybody that we kind of knew and it was really fascinating that the readings not i not like 100% match but they were so above 
probability that I was just like wowed and that got me actually thinking that hmm could it be that if I because I do believe that the raw and consciousness is kind of out there maybe in the cosmos and we kind of tap into it uh, if that be the case could it be that the part of the cosmos nearer to the earth when you were born in in a, maybe even in a small way but had a slight edge on your personality just food for thought but i don't believe in the sh in the, and i i would condemn any kind of superstition around this like in saying oh you know good luck bad luck that kind of stuff i think that is haram because it does um it ruins lives things like that <laughs> right so uh right okay let's move on to right shall we Whoa, people, shall we talk about our beloved Sheikh <laughs> Asrar G? Right, just going to that. And people, by the way, those of you that haven't subscribed, <laughs> you naughty, naughty, you're teasing me. <laughs> subscribe, man, subscribe. <laughs> you know something? I get so many people watching my Monday nights, uh, and yet, Harami Saleh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ever like the YouTube <laughs> and you know what I have to say there's one guy I don't know who he is who consistently every single video dislikes it <laughs> I want to say all of you can sod off I want to know I'm more intrigued by the consistency of this guy <laughs> There's always one dislike, and I'm like, God, I'm so intrigued. That whosoever will have loyalty, they will have loyalty. I want to see how consistent is this guy's disloyalty to me. Yeah, all I'm saying is <laughs> this hater, this my message is going out to this the the unique hater. <laughs> Don't leave my side, you know, this one. <laughs> yeah, Dosati. Speaking about Dosati, and uh, it brings us on to our beloved Allah Allah Allah. <laughs> my beloved Sheikh Asrar Rashid Saab, <coughs> the uh, 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 a key promoter of the Rashidiyah. <laughs> Here he is in the flesh. He has made uh, an amazing discovery, which is to do with where Yajuj Oh, oh my god! Wow! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so uh, that's so we have some good news that Sheikh Asrar uh, has uh, discovered where the Yatjuj and Matjuj, the Gog and Magog, <laughs> have been hiding from mankind. 
here is uh, um, this picture, although the quality isn't, but coming to think of it, it looks like Sheikh Asrar is blowing a kiss and mwah, we love you too, yaar. <laughs> brotherly, agape people, agape, brotherly love, brotherly love. So let me see, I've got a different picture of Sheikh Asrar here doing it. This is it, Sheikh, you're doing it, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but why is it that Sheikh Asrar always looks a bit like he's always looks quite angry, a bit like upset? Yeah. You want to talk about it, bro? <laughs> What's going on, bro? What's going on? <laughs> Let's open up the brandy. Toba, toba, toba. So anyway, people, I'm going to, uh, lo and behold, Ya'juj and Ma'juj have been discovered by Sheikh Asrar, who's brought it to our attention. These mountains that you see, these mountains are in Kyrgyzstan, which is like Central kind of Asia. Um, in Kyrgyzstan, you see these three mountains, the centerpiece right here. <laughs> This centerpiece, people, Sheikh Asrar, by help of some of the people that have assisted him, has come to realize that this is actually where Ya'juj and Ma'juj are. <laughs> and that is by help of the detailed, fascinating, highly um, specific and incredibly intriguing map that Sheikh Asrar has got hold of, which... <laughs> which quite neatly pointed out that, well, here they are. Ya'juj and Ma'juj. There they are. Ya'juj, Ma'juj. Blimey! <laughs> and then Sheikh Asrar says, you know, and this is a map, an amazing map, uh, I think from the Ottoman era, maybe, and he says, you know, I, I've actually got a copy of this myself. <laughs> and all you have to really do is just click save. <laughs> but Sheikh Asrad makes it sound so, you know, and I've actually got a copy of this myself. Yeah, I have. Yes, absolutely. And you can see this Google document right here. I've actually got a copy of that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You mean the, the, the Google the, the Google one? The, the one that you just press save and it, it, I, I actually I actually have a copy of that. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> you gotta love the, the, the genuine, the ikhlas. Oh, the ikhlas, ikhlas with the Sheikh Asrar. So Sheikh Asrar finding this detailed map which leaves Google Maps to shame. Uh, and as you can see here, it says, Asin. So anybody that was confused, China is right here, people. We found it. Uh, this is the Balkh, which is probably part of uh, ancient Afghanistan and parts of Iran. Bukhara, which is part of Uzbekistan. And, and here it says, Uzbekistan, people. And just in case you're wondering, well, what else could there be? What else could there be? Pfft, blimey. It says, yeah, Juj and Matjuj, 
and there's an arrow pointing right down over here. <laughs> You're like, where the hell are Yatjuj and Matjuj? Oh, there they are. It says so right on the map. Honestly, I really do Oh my god! Wow! <laughs> oh my god! Alright, oh, people, I honestly think, this is my thoughts, yeah? I think that Sheikh Asrar genuinely is a bit kind of... Uh, <laughs> I feel that he's... I don't know, is he confused, do you think, about... Do you think like he's, he just doesn't know like what should he be doing? What should he be really like, I, I don't get it. Like what, <laughs> what is going on? All right, Jacinda Mead, you're doing it with the super stickers. And skipping the ablution altogether. Okay, I'll come to your question just in the un momento, un momento. Right, so, uh, but I I just feel that, honestly, I, I feel that Sheikh Asrar definitely has talent. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, dosati. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is it throwing it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm such a poor Rawi when it comes to Bollywood songs. <laughs> so he definitely has talent. But what is going on with Sheikh Asrar? He was actually saying, you know what? I'll arrange uh, a visit to Kyrgyzstan if people are interested and they go hiking. We can go and see the, the mountains and in them, because they've got iron ores, that means like it's a natural resource for iron. Obviously, this is the iron where, you know, where Zulqarnain said, uh, that helped me, <laughs> that helped me with, uh, with, with iron and things like this. And this is where he kind of poured, melted the whole iron mm, supply and poured it here and built a barrier. Hmm. And he says this is some of the tallest mountains in the world. And as you can see, there's a donkey going up there. <laughs> I thought, huh? <laughs> donkey going up one of the tallest mountains. <laughs> I thought, acha acha. <laughs> you know, it's like, God, I don't know, you know, because I, 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 I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that I think, yeah, uh, Sheikh Asrar ko ho ka gaya hai, you know. <laughs> so I had to comment on that. So in brief, do I feel that inside the mountain, as Sheikh Asrar is saying, we don't know what's inside the mountain. Obviously, it's Ya'juj and Ma'juj, you know, these creatures. Do I feel he's he's legit about that? Uh, as in, do I feel that's correct? Uh, <laughs> uh, do we even need to answer that? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, somebody, Muhammad Akbar has asked a question. Muhammad, you're doing it with the super stickers, right, about the gut, about Nike. I'll come on to that. Okay, I'll come on to that in just a moment. So, 
Right, so I just want to say that, look, people, the Yatjuj and Matjuj are not inside this bloody mountain, okay? So if you're going to Kyrgyzstan, <laughs> right, then I'm sure it's going to be helpful for the Kyrgyzstan tourism industry, but it's unfortunately not these kind of apocalyptic creatures hiding inside. So just, unfortunately, you know. Afsos hotahe munna. <laughs> but anyway, but all still my uh, heartfelt wishes and uh, and thoughts are always with my beloved Sheikh Asrar. <laughs> Love you, yaar. <laughs> so, okay, right, now let's move on. So I've been asked a question, first of all, by Jacinda, who'd said about if there was certain difficulty in performing wudu, then you can resort to tayammum. Okay, people, tayammum is the alternative for wudu. Now, I know in the Hanafi madhab, doing tayammum is like borderline death. Like you're about to die, and then you do... <laughs> tayammum is simply like if... <clears throat> right, I haven't got anything here, but... Okay, let's say this thing here. <laughs> it, does, it could be a pebble, as far as I'm concerned. Let's say this was a rock, so or a stone. Now, you just... Obviously, you guys can't see it anymore. I'll put it there. Alright, so you can touch it, and and then the dust doesn't have to carry on, you can wipe it off, right? So you just wipe over the face, you touch it again, and you go over the arms like that, and you go over. Tiamum done. And Imam Malik in the Muatta said that the a person with wudu is not more pure than a person with Tiamum, because both have come to us through scripture. Okay, so... Um, a person can do tiyamum, and I know the Malikis are criticized sometimes for, and the Moroccans today are criticized sometimes for being, other people say, we're, you know, we're too lenient, the Malikis, we're too lenient on tiyamum. I disagree, I, I mean, it's our view. Uh, so you'll see in, if you visit Morocco, for example, most masjids have stones in there. And you could just do tiyam. And a lot of people, in fact, many people who get a bit old, and they're not even so old, but they get a bit old where they struggle a bit to kind of reach their feet, like in washing, they just do tiyam. <laughs> and it's, uh, and this is why some of the other schools criticize the Malikiya, but I support it. I say tiyam is an option when there's inconvenience and you can use it. And it does, I do go with the classical opinion of certain scholars that it yarfa'ul, that it is an entire purity it's a ritual purity i do have a more detailed video on that you can check that out um right now muhammad akbar had asked a question about um <clears throat> he'd asked a question about dawaman and nike products because this is the the product uh, is a goddess of victory and is it haram to wear this because there's some kind of mythological history with the term Nike or Nike or however they want to say as being some kind of mythological goddess ages ago, as in millennia uh, ago. Now, this is ridiculous, people. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, that is just so silly. Because look, so many things in Islam, they, 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 they haven't come to us through, like, not everything is revealed, for God's sake. Things come through other means. How do you think, like, so many, like, the months are the names of the months. Or in English, like, the names of the days. They're named after the gods. 
and whether it's named after Mars or whether it's named after uh, different planets, but these planets were deemed gods by the Greeks and by the Romans. And then you get that and, you know, they go through Monday for Mars and, and this carries through different uh, traditions as well when they say uh, Mangal. Mangal is Mars. Right. So they, and, and, and they saw certain things as auspicious as good good luck and harbingers of good luck or bad luck. And, but it doesn't mean that for us today. You know, we don't need to worry about, oh, my God, oh, my God. People used to think, you know, this day was a, a, a or we, they call this a particular day because it was a good luck day or a bad luck day. Like, look, in Arabic, they call rainbows qawsu qazah, the, the bow of qazah. Qazah was one of the false deities, one of the false gods. And in fact, they, they claim a hadith that the Prophet said, uh, oh, don't call it qawsu qazah, call it qawsu Allah, call it the house of God, the, 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 the bowl of God. But they still call, maybe that was to the, the new Muslims in the time who still worshipped Qazah. So he was trying to distance them from that worship. But today, obviously, it doesn't make a difference to us. You know, we call it in Arabic today, Qazah. It makes no difference. We're not going to start going, oh my God, oh my God, let's worship Qazah. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. You know, so I think we need to chill out with all the insecurities. You know, our, why do we act like our faith is so weak? Like it's like Kabait al-Ankabut, it's a spider's web that if you do anything, it disappears. Just relax. Relájate. Tranquilo, tranquilo. Calmate. So I would say that Right, so that's not, uh, so it's all fine, right? It's nothing. Jacinda is saying that I didn't answer a question. Did I not answer a question? Can someone write? He answered the question I didn't even ask. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> People ask me one thing, I answer something else. <laughs> They're like, well, <laughs> I do, huh? I do. No. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Wrong place to say that. <laughs> mm, let me see. Let me go back up and check. Un momento. Here it is. She says, by other, I mean when someone is sick and can't keep the ablution, so the ruling on skipping the ablution altogether, I can't even keep it for one salah oh right yes so okay sorry uh, <clears throat> what this question is uh, is to do with what they call um, in, in a lot of the fit books it falls under cellus so uh, incontinence so sometimes even though this may not be incontinence but it may be it's similar so it falls under that so you have flatulence you have incont incontinence where people sometimes they can't uh, hold their urine or they can't sometimes hold gas and things like this or it may be something else but this is the common one that they give always as an example in the fic books so under certain circumstances if a person for some reason cannot hold their wudu what they are simply obliged uh, obligated and obliged to do is only do one wudu at the beginning of prayer time 
So let's say it's now Maghrib time, I do one wudu. Now that wudu will not break by that contingency during the entire prayer time. If, you know, so it's a different thing if I choose to break it in a different way. Like, let's say, uh, I don't know, like somebody wanted to do something else and intentionally, but that particular, so if a person had, let's say, uh, gas and they can't hold the gas and they're always, you know, <laughs> they're suffering from that problem. <laughs> but if that is the case, now once they've done one wudu for that salah, that gas problem would not violate their wudu. Mm. So this is what they call halal mustankah in many of the Maliki fit books. They call it mustankah. Other madhabs may not call it, uh, you know, mustankah, but the Malikiya call it mustankah. So in this case, the person just does one wudu. They all agree on the ruling. And what they do is they um, they they perform their salah. If they break it by a different means, that's fine. They can redo it. But but that particular means would not violate the wudu. And each salah time, they just repeat one wudu. And they keep doing this as long as they have their issue. Even if it's lifelong. Okay. Or if it, so if it's chronic, they can do this chronically. Okay. And if it's... Uh, so this is what I so I hope that answers the question. All right, Muhammad Akbar, you're doing it, you're doing it. <laughs> what do you think about the third temple prophecy of the Jews awaiting the Jal, their Messiah, and the Illuminati one eye for the Jal al Messiah? You see, I. Bakhtawar says, Yar, Muche to next level, Yaki. In the words of Mir Taqi Mir, he says, That my condition, this bad condition is not worth expressing. Right, so, uh, you, you know, Akbar, the thing is, you know, with this whole Dajjal al-Masih, I don't, believe that there's going to be a person messiah false messiah or the coming of jesus and things like this and i've got a detailed video on that called uh, a prelude to why there is no second coming in islam now this i the dajjal i've explained in the past in according to islamic sources is either wrongly attributed to the prophet the term the word as in not to the prophet but to his hadith or it simply is referring to Satan because the Jal means the deceiver. Or it's referring to a time that will come, like there's a hadith that a time will come that everybody, every prophet warned his people. I feel that that the Jal, that deception, the great deceiving phenomenon, is not a person, but it will be what we're actually embarking on, where reality, where the virtual and the real become indistinct indiscernible and indistinguishable so and i think we are already on the beginning of that era where now our social media lives are more meaningful to us to many people than their virtue than their actual lives and this is why i tell people that look make you know by all means do be a part of social media you know go on there share things network participate but make sure that your real lives carry if 
possibly more meaning, if not an equal amount. But make sure that your real lives are meaningful to you. Because this is a problem. And I feel in the coming decade or two, the virtual will completely envelop us. And I, I don't know what it will be like in at that time. But yeah. <laughs> Bakhtavar says, Ye Dajjal kab aara hai, yaar? <laughs> Mujhe bata ke aayega kya? <laughs> I've got no idea. When I get a text message, I'll let you know. So, uh, so Akbar, I don't, th I don't buy into this whole the Dajjalic thing. The Illuminati one-eye thing. I think the Illuminati thing is, is kind of all hyped up, although there may be some truth to th these kind of secret societies, but I think they're hyped up a bit too much. Somebody, print, Black Prince is asking, what is istabarrak? I don't know, what, what, what do you mean by istabarrak? 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 I'm not sure what you're trying to say. Is that from the word barak, as in lightning, or from barak, from baraka, or... Because obviously I can't see the Arabic, I can just see what you've written in English. Uh, right, people, you know what, we've gone on so long today, I'm going to have to wrap this up. I really wanted to go over Ibn Abi Zaid's kind of introduction. To <laughs> Never even got to do that. <laughs> Somebody said, your views are similar to Ghamidi Saab. What, what do you have to say about that? Uh, I, 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 I love Ghamidi Saab. Um, I have I I've have watched several small clips of Ghamdi Saab and I've loved the fact that he speaks from the voice of reason. Same thing in Arabic with Dr. Adnan Ibrahim, uh, with Ustad Shahroor. Um, there are many of these people who who kind of echo the voice of reason. But um, yeah, so I'm really proud of people like that. Uh, I don't think I. I think in some ways my views will still be a bit different. The thing is that uh, obviously I am born and raised here in Birmingham, UK people. So that's going to have some impact on my life, naturally, on the way I view things. So in some things, you, maybe I... You might think Ramadi <laughs> Saab, I, I don't know, but maybe he's he doesn't say certain things which I say. Uh, and plus, I have the Maliki Madhab to support me, you see. So I openly say that the Hudud ought to change in this day and age, as the Maliki scholars have said. I openly say the inheritance things. Maybe Ramadi Saab also says that I've openly denied that there is no such thing as the evil eye. Um, I don't think, uh, I think Ramadi Saab has denied most of it but he said that maybe there's some reality to some of it uh, which i've denied and said it's just superstition and nonsense he does deny things like black magic jinn possessions demonic possessions uh he also has a very welcoming perspective on life um he's very he, he he kind of uh oozes uh a culture of uh welcoming and to of kind of like compassion and tolerance which i love i mean I, I i try to do things like that as well 
Um, but yeah, so I totally admire Sheikh Ahmadi Saab. I think he's he's a legend in that sense. Uh, I would love to. I have spoken to some of the people uh, who are who work very closely with him. Uh, I will, inshallah, I'm hoping to be able to have a dialogue with him at some point in the near future. Right, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. Just one thing before we wrap up. Are artificial intelligence accountable on the day of judgment? You know, this is interesting. I'll tell you why. Because it got me thinking once that there was this clip where these people were kind of beating up this little robot. And everybody was kind of like, oh my God, oh my God, what, what are you guys doing? And it was interesting that it evoked a kind of empath an empathic and it invoked empathy in the viewers. And I found that amazing that what if you see, because right now we're in a day and age of sentience, of feeling. So like, you know, with uh, Jeremy Bentham and these people, they've said that it's not about whether creatures have a soul. Uh, it's about whether they feel things and if they feel pain. So it became about feelings and we are in that age of feelings. It's about is there suffering? The hypothesis is what if the next age is not about feelings and sentience, but what if it's about information like DNA that does it contain information? Does it hold information? And you might think this is absurd now, but I'm sure if we went back five, six hundred years ago and you said, oh, it's not about whether it has a soul in soulment, it's about whether it has feelings. You know, people may have laughed at you, <laughs> but I just find that fascinating. What if the future age is about information? Then it would be about it's not whether it has emotions, but whether it has information. That would be intriguing, huh? <laughs> All right. So last question, people. Uh, I want to say as well that uh, I've been asked this question. It was, uh, uh, what is it? Sam Haq has asked me that, look, can I give some few words on advice towards learning? Uh, if you want to learn something and things like this, how, how should you do it? Like a topic or you want to research or increase your... Look, some quick words. People learning, this is my advice, that it must take place as a proactive step. You know, a lot of my learning, a lot of it, is actually not through a one book. Like, I, you know, sometimes I speak about things and people will say, oh, can you recommend a book on this measure, on this topic? Like when I spoke on the Petra thing or when I spoke on uh, demonic possessions or when I spoke on magic or on the second coming of Jesus or when I spoke on, on many things on Bukhari Gate or I spoke on uh, all these kind of things. People will say, oh, can you tell me a book to read? Like they assume that like, let's say this is a book here. They assume that this book will have, like it will have all the answers. Like I just need to read this book passively and I will then learn. And I'm telling you, that's not, that's not how I learn anyway. I seldom go through like when i'm learning a topic go through a book cover to cover seldom what i do is i just research the hell out of stuff and it's active learning so what i'll do is like i'll begin with like i want to learn about something i don't know like let's say i want to learn about um 
Let's say I want to learn about psychology. I, I don't know about psychology. I want to learn about it. So I'll begin by just actually searching what is psychology and I'll watch an introduction. I'll read something basic. It may not have accurate information in it. I might just read Wikipedia and it'll say like, oh, this splits off into different fields. It splits into psychodynamics. I'll be like, oh, what psychodynamics? I'll click that. Oh, psychodynamics is this field that deals with the, the, the kind of unconscious uh, elements. Uh, it's been pioneered by people like Freud. I'll be like, oh, who's Freud? I'll go into that. Now I'll start. Freud, he, he's this pioneering figure who appears in the 18th, 19th century. He's somebody who kind of uh, puts forward the, the whole concept of the unconscious. He's, uh, uh, he speaks about the ego, the id. Oh, what's the id? And I'll start reading the id. Oh, how does this? Mm, so is the is the id uh, is the id the dominant kind of uh, consciousness that we let me Google this? Is this mm, what are these what are these articles saying? What's this chat saying? Hmm. Did hmm, Freud seems to be you know there seems to be a bit of an overlap. He, uh, did he take some of his ideas from hypnosis? Let me research this. Hmm. Oh, what does Jung, Jung, who's Jung? Oh, he says, Carl Jung says this. Oh, right. How does psycho, how does Carl Jungian psychoanalysis differ from Freudian? Right. Okay. What is this shadow? And I just search and search and search the hell out of stuff. And that's, and then that's how I just learn. And I'll like watch things. Then I'll be like, oh, that's fascinating listen to a whole lecture based on this and I'll go through something on YouTube and then I'll find some professors and start reading up on some of their things go through some audiobooks and meanwhile and I'll have like I'll have like 30 pages open on my <laughs> Google Chrome of different things that I and I'll go on script and I'll search what what was this or what was and I'll find certain articles and I'll just read small articles and and then I'll go off on another little search and and I'm telling you, you know, this way of learning in two weeks, you will know more than people who've just read like three, four books from cover to cover or people that have even studied that topic for like maybe two years, but just passively studied it. I honestly feel that you because it's the proactive kind of curiosity, the inconquerable, unquenchable thirst that you bring to the table it's it's it opens pathways or as uh, our <laughs> in the earlier meme he said the opening <laughs> he said the back opening you know the back opening <laughs> so this one top opening you know cognitive opening so people <clears throat> somebody said Inaya said Carl Jung over that weirdo Freud I actually am a fan of Freud I won't lie <laughs> Freud was amazing, you know, in some of these things. And people say, you know, he said, well, everything is about sex. And and they say, you know, and, and the irony is they will say, oh, what a load of beep. And that will just prove Freud's point. You know, the, the, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, are not many things driven sexually at a subconscious level? Maybe he exaggerated certain things. It's like Oscar Wilde said, you know, he said, everything in this world is about sex, except sex, of course, which is about power. <laughs> uh, but I think that, I don't know, I find 
Um, I, I do find Freud fascinating, you know, and, and some of the things he's he discovered and, and he said. But I think we say them as well in our tradition, but there's no harm in taking from other people's traditions. Um, yeah, so we, we kind of have this understanding of the ruh and the nafs and and the aql and things like this as well. So, uh, and some people, some Muslim ulama considered them all synonymous. And I would agree that, I, I mean, as in consciousness and the spirit and the, the kind of like uh, cognition and and things like desires and, and they're kind of linked in that sense. But yeah, cool people in that I'm going to wrap this Yar, aajkal market me paudin. I still can't get over that, you know. That, 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 you see, over that because in our lingo, I know it's going to sound dumb, but we call it pudna, right? In Mirpuri, they call it pudna, and I just feel that that sounds so much better than saying pudina. Yar, ye pudina kahan yar? Is it koi yar? <laughs> guys you know what <laughs> let's let's call it a wrap man it's been awesome much love for hanging out all the way through really appreciate all your support your love keep learning people keep your learning going strong but at the same time do try to to you know i I get a lot of messages from people that are going, unfortunately, through depression. Try not to wear labels. Don't think I'm depressed. Like, I know it's can, these things are difficult, but try to preoccupy yourself with life. Okay, try to see the positivity around you and it will shine through. I'm telling you, it's 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 a mindset that is that is reflected and and you know people ask me sometimes about things like tawakkul i want to speak about this more maybe next week but have a bit of that tawakkul but do your thing as well that look people think you know oh it's just you know oh my god it's you know everything is like it's just chaotic then you what you're doing or these risks that you take this is especially if people are being entrepreneurial or enterprising or business i would say that look if it feels right to you, do it and know that, look, the Lord will give you much more. You understand? And you sometimes have to have that trust and it comes and it comes flooding. I'm telling you, but you they, obviously you have to think, you know, as well, look before you leap. But then you feel that, you know, that Allah in Allah ma'ana. That indeed God is with us people with that have an awesome night wherever you are take very good care of yourselves remember me in a kind dua may Allah keep you all smiling wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh and if you haven't already uh, subscribed to <laughs> my channels then what on earth are you waiting for on with it over and out folks